Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. You are listening to a message from our Wednesday night service. So this is Job speaking. Before we get into this, this is the prequel. <laughs> Brother Eric standing back there is going to make me <laughs> preach a little longer. So just so you know, we're starting. Um, can the papyrus grow up without a marsh? It's the question. Can the reeds flourish without water? Okay. So here you're seeing Job, he's asking a question. Maybe God is asking him the question. It's either God or Job. I didn't check out the context deeply, but I want to show you something simple. Whether it's God or Job, it doesn't change the context of what I'm going to show you. The papyrus needs marsh, and the reeds need water. Okay, you see that? So there is a, a um, interdependency that is necessary for things not only to function, but to flourish. Now, this is not the same as a codependency where someone is dysfunctional and they, you know, it's like a, a young man needs his girlfriend to be his mommy. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is a codependency based on the natural created order of God. God has created the papyrus to grow out of the marsh and the reeds need water to flourish. And so without the marsh, there's no papyrus and without the water, there's no reeds. And so here you're seeing in the natural created order of things, the interdependency of what is necessary to flourish, okay? So, I, with that being said, I, I want to share a little bit with you tonight about flourishing because it is God's desire that you flourish. Now, if I'm being honest with you, when I look around at most Christians, my first word is not like, Wow, you are flourishing like a beautiful coconut tree <laughs> in the Dominican Republic. Uh, that is not my first impression of most believers. Now, I'm not saying that to be jerky or negative because jerky is not a gift of the Spirit. But this is, a, this is an honest observation that it is not the common thing to see Christians flourish, which, to be honest with you, if I can be honest with you for a second, is actually quite sad. So it would be like you starving to death at a buffet. This is, this is on the unfortunate reality with many Christians that the table is set, the Father has made a way in His Son, Jesus has paid, the Holy Spirit is ready to deliver, but yet folks are emaciated, starving, thirsty for other things, and not ultimately flourishing. So I want to talk to you tonight about just some keys to flourishing because it is the Father's heart for you to flourish. Now, some people do not really believe that. What they believe is that, well, the world is only going to get worse, 
So we're just going to hold on until Jesus comes. And if you have that mentality, that mentality is at war with human flourishing. It's at war with on earth as it is in heaven. It, it means that I want to escape the earth, not that I want to release heaven on it. So, so there's sometimes you have ideas or things that you've been taught through uh, misinformed Christian traditions, a commentary on the Bible that is not actually the Bible, that have sabotaged people's mentality to see correctly. So some Christians are not fully convinced that God wants them to flourish. This is a big thing. You, so, but I'm telling you, all through the scripture, God's heart is for, for people to flourish. I'm going to show you starting from the very beginning. So, the Father's desire and design is that his children would flourish in Christ. Now, we're going to look at some scriptures here today. Genesis 2. There's something really interesting in Genesis 2. And uh, I'm going to try to move through this quickly. Um, all right, I'll start in verse 8. It says this, The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. Now, I don't know if you just saw that, but before we just move past that, the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, planted a garden. Now, I'm not a gardener. My wife has a garden. And when you plant a garden, you actually have to get your hands dirty. It's this four-letter thing called work. <laughs> this generation likes a better, a different four-letter word called free. But there's another four-letter word called work. And work is dignified. God himself plants this garden. This is very interesting. So what you have here, you have the whole creation. You have God created. That whole thing is done. But, but now, it's almost like God created, stepped into his creation, but he himself, there's, there's things that he wanted to do with his own hands. Are you with me? One is he formed Adam from the dust of the earth. So that means the first man wasn't pasty and white because he came from the dirt. I've never, you've never seen white dirt. So the first man was not a white guy with blue eyes. He was probably brown, Dominican looking, African, brown, I don't know, brown, he was brown. So God himself formed him. So that was the one thing that God did with his hand. But the other thing that God did with his own hands is he planted a garden uh, Eden. Eden means delights. It means pleasure. The root word, uh, when you look at all the different words, one of the, one of the, this is, is in this something, one of the words, when it, one of the translations gets trans into is luxury. <laughs> it's like, wow. It's a very interesting word. So there's a whole bunch of things here, but ultimately God created a good creation that was good, just so you know. There was no sin. There was no death. It was good, but then he created something better within his good creation. Let me, okay, watch. And 
there he put the man whom he had formed out of the ground. The Lord God made every tree to grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden and from there it parted and became four river heads. So that you have one river that becomes four river heads. So one river goes four ways. Okay. Out of Eden to water the garden from their four river heads. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one uh, which skirts the whole land of Havilia where there is gold. And that gold of the land is good. Bedulam and the onyx stone and onyx stone are there. So now you've got gold and jewelry, but no wrappers. Isn't this something? Just God. God put treasure and value in the earth. God. The meek inherit the earth. Part of the, the thing that the Lord is going to have to teach the people of God is to invest not just in the world, which is a system, but the earth, because that's where our inheritance is, and you cannot eat your iPhone. So this is something. So God puts this in, he puts value and treasure in the earth, but it has to be mined. It has to be, someone's got to go get it, but it's there. All right. Now, the name of the second river is Jishon. It is on which uh, goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hittichel. It is the one which goes east toward Assyria. The fourth river is Euphrates. So you have the Tigris and Euphrates and you have two other ones. Okay. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. So, so to, to keep this to, to 21st century, this to serve and protect it. Go ahead and fact check me on that. Look, look into that. To, to, to serve, to tend it, and to protect it. Okay? It's important. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it you shall surely die. So this doesn't mean immediately, it means eminently. Many times, death is at work, people don't see it, and they think God's patience with them is his approval of what they're doing. And there comes a time where their action, they're turned over to the power of their own choices and they're shocked. There's many times people are making decisions, they're not paying the consequences for the decision right away, and they don't know a bill is coming. A bill that they can't pay. Don't think just because the, the decision hasn't caught up with you, that something is not coming. This is what people, people mis, misunderstand God's patience with them for the, his approval of what they're doing. This is, this is a, a grave uh, mistake. So, and the Lord God said, It is not good that man shall be alone. I will make him a azer. I've always called my wife that. Azer. Aza. I say, Aza, I need lunch. Now, you get upset with me, but do you know who calls himself an azer? 
God calls himself Israel's Azar. They're his help, their helper. So it's not a derogatory term. See, some of you think it was derogatory. That's why you looked at me like that. But actually, it's a dignifying term. Why? Because I need help. And she can then provide that help. See that? That's not, that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing. Now, in our culture, we've been taught that's a bad thing. Because in our culture, we're taught if you need help, you're weak and you're bad. But that's not, that does, that's not how human flourishing works. You see, we started with Job with that. That's not how flourishing works. Okay, now, out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every uh, bird of the air and brought them to Adam. Okay, excuse me. It, it, I didn't finish the other verse, 18. I will make him, is God talking to himself, a helper comparable to him. Now that word comparable is a fascinating word because it's basically saying someone opposite of him, someone that he'll fit together with. That's why if you look at the man and woman anatomy, it fits together. So I'll just leave you there. Uh, all right. Now, so now the Lord is bringing the animals to Adam to name the animals. Can I tell you one thing about God? God is not a control freak. When people are like, God is in control, God is in control, that's what they want to be in. They want to be in control. God, Jesus is the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. It is imperative that Adam gets that one correct. <laughs> and it's like, they could really mess the story up. And, uh, and so, but yet God, in his sovereignty, gives man a free choice. So God is in charge. He is ruling over all. He's the one that caused the animals to come to Adam, but he's the one that gave Adam the responsibility to name them. This is the sovereignty and the creativity flowing together. Those are two important truths. If you don't understand that, you go in, in, in the wrong direction. You don't have a healthy understanding of both. But them together, that again, that's flourishing. Flourishing is when things are flowing interdependent upon one another. So it's a beautiful thing. Okay, now, and Adam gave names to all the cattle, the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in it. Then the rib which the Lord God took from man he made into a woman and he brought her to the man and Adam said this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman did you know that she wasn't even till after sin she did not have her own distinct identity until after sin because they were supposed to be one Okay. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother to be joined to his wife, and they shall become one. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. What you're seeing here is something really beautiful. You're seeing transparency and intimacy with no shame. That's the intention of God 
for marriage. That's the intention of God for healthy relationships. And that is the key to human flourishing. I'm not talking about taking off your clothes in front of people. I'm talking about the ability to be honest and authentic and transparent without shame. This is important. What, right now you're seeing keys to human flourishing. God has, this is important, a person, a place, and a purpose for every human. Those are necessary for human flourishing. If you take a person who's isolated and lonely, that's like punishment. For example, what happens to very violent criminals? What happens? They go 23 and 1. Right? You know what that means? That means 23 hours by themselves and one hour either in the public or outside. So did you know that isolation is a form of both ancient and modern punishment? So don't punish yourself. You have people that isolate themselves and they're hurting themselves. It's just it's like, that's a bad idea. So, so if you don't have, so without that, without a person, there's a sense in which you are not interconnected on a deep level and you may feel as if something is missing because maybe something is missing. Now, if you're a eunuch for the kingdom and you're like someone who's going to get martyred for the Lord, then you don't feel like something's missing. You're getting ready to die. <laughs> but if you're not a martyr preaching the gospel in like Iraq, Afghanistan, Iran, or North Korea, then you probably should get married and get a life. <laughs> so anyway, so now... <laughs> So you, so you have, he has a, a place, he had Eden. The place is important. It, it, because without a person, without a place, and without a purpose, there is, flourishing is, is not possible. And the place, it doesn't have to be, it's not like everyone has to live in a 10,000 square foot mansion, but you need a place in which you can create in an environment that is conducive to your lifestyle and to what you want to do and what you want to be. And if you're faithful with that and you're good with what you have, you'll probably wind up with more. Now, this whole thing of, of flourishing is God's idea. Do you know that God, within a creation that was already good, God said, I'm not only going to do good, I'm going to do better. The place is going to be so good, we're going to name it Delights or Pleasure. It'll be called Eden. I will walk with my people in the cool of the day. They will not need anything. They will not lack anything. That is the intention of God. No sickness, no sin, no separation, intimacy, transparency, no loneliness, no isolation, community. Adam, name the animals out of your own mouth. You define the reality in which you live in. That's why your words better be in agreement with God. Your mouth is shaping the environment that you live in. All right. Let's go to John. John uh, 15, 1 through 8. I'm not going to preach all of John, but I'm going to confirm Genesis 2 with John, because what happens? The Bible interprets the Bible. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So Jesus is giving us a key to Genesis, the second chapter, saying that, that, that Elohim, that Yahweh, Elohim, is the, the Lord God, 
is the one who planted the garden. He doesn't just plant the garden. He tends to it. Listen, whatever you don't manage, you'll lose. All right. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Do you know what that says about the father? That the father is a blue collar worker that does not mind getting his hands dirty in the mess of our life. That's good news to me. For some of us, <laughs> for all the messy people. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, okay. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it. So the reward of fruitfulness is pruning. But if you're the vine, if you're the vine, pruning doesn't feel good. Many times people don't understand that the pruning that they're going through, which is the removal of things from them and their life that are not helpful, God is preparing you to be more fruitful. So you may feel like you're getting stripped, but in reality, you're getting equipped. Do you know what they do? Every branch that doesn't bear fruit is chopped down. You, you, if you go to a banana plantation, I've been to them all over the world, you will see that out of all of the little, little leaves and things, only one branch has a stalk of bananas on it. Only one. Many are called, few are chosen. And you know what happens? All those branches are chopped down and they are burned at the foot of the tree and the, they are the fertilizer for the next harvest. Do you know that your failures sometimes are a fertilizer for your next harvest? Some of us have failed. <laughs> <It's> like, <"Hey!" laughs> Come on, Jesus. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So the word cleans you. The word washes you. Remember, if you're a husband, you have that responsibility to wash your wife, to speak the word of God over her life. You will be fruitful and we will multiply. You, you have to speak over your wife. You have to, if you have children, you have to speak over your children because the enemy wants to speak into your children. The enemy, so you have to speak into your children and over your wife is very, very important. Okay, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken. You abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they are gathered them, and they throw it into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you shall be my disciples. So when, when, when the word of God is dwelling in you, and when it's dwelling in your heart, it is changing the desires of your heart so that God can answer your prayers because you know what to ask for. 
Because it's not just me, 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 about me, me, me. But you know because you have been abiding in him and he's abiding in you and his word has washed you and his word has filled you and his word is living in you and you are living in him. So you're having a living interaction so you know what to ask for. And in asking and him doing what you're asking for, he is glorified. So that you will be Jesus' disciples, so that you would bear much fruit. Bearing much fruit is a part of flourishing. So you have flourishing that is spiritual. You have, you have fruitfulness. You have flourishing that is at the soul level. But the soul level always affects the body. What did John say? Beloved. Above all things, I pray that you would prosper and be in good health, even as what? Your soul prospers. So if the soul flourishes, it affects the body. The Bible says in um, Proverbs that envy rots the bones. So the very structure of your life is broken down through envy. Jesus said that men's hearts will fail them for fear. You know how many people have fear-induced heart attacks? So if you think that there's no connection to your soul and your body, you're, you're, you're not thinking biblically, and you're not, it's, not, it's not even scientifically real. It's, there is a connection with the, the realm of your soul and your body. And now the way it's supposed to function, the world says body, soul, and spirit. Jesus says, spirit, soul, and body. So the spirit is one with God, is joined to God, is beholding Jesus, is hearing Jesus, which is shaping the life of the soul, which is bringing the body into subjection. And, and teaching the body that it is not the master, but it is a slave to righteousness. In other words, it can't be having sex with everyone, doing drugs, it can't be doing crazy stuff. The body has to come under subjection. Paul said, I beat my flesh. So you have to bring the body into subjection. You, and sometimes you have to tell your body to function. You have to tell you this, you know, if you're a woman, I will be fruitful and have children. If you're a man, you've got to speak that over your wife. You, you have to speak to your body. Command your body to function as God ordained it to function. You have to speak to yourself or yourself will speak to you. And you also have to listen to your body because sometimes your body is telling you something that you have not listened to your soul or your spirit about. Sometimes the body is setting a notification. You know what happens? You know why people sometimes get sick? They get sick because they don't do Sabbath. They get sick because they get stressed out and frustrated and angry. So they're internalizing things that is living in the realm of their soul and getting worked out through their body. Sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do is take a nap. Sometimes that's really, I mean, you saw Jesus. Jesus is sleeping in a boat. Sometimes you just got to rest. Now, I'm going to give you, we're going to end in a few minutes. Don't get too excited. <laughs> Psalm, <laughs> Psalm 92. Now this is into something. This is the only psalm in the whole psalms that is a Sabbath psalm. So if you came here to be refreshed and you need some rest, you can, you can rest after we're done. 
but you can take this psalm and read this later because this is really something else here. And this is where we're going to finish tonight. So this is the last bit of scripture so you can begin to rejoice. All right. Now, Psalm 92. This is something. I had my researcher today, Justice. He's my researcher. I had him researching for me. Uh, so he's gonna, you're going to see some of his research on my next slides. So this is, this is something. I'm not going to read the whole psalm because, you know, it's getting late. But this is a psalm, specifically a song for the Sabbath. It's the only one. It's interesting. But it's in there. God, God, let me just say something about God. God is so good that he always has a word for every moment. He has a song for every moment. He's got a bottle for every tear you're going to cry. He, anything that you're going through, he'll be there. He has something for that. All right? Some, I'm just going to do the 12 to 15. It says this, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Now, we're going to get into the palm tree. a specific one. It's a date tree. Remember the fig tree? Remember the one that Jesus cursed? Remember the fig leaves? Deborah told us that when Adam and Eve did the fig leaves, it irritated their private parts. Because if you try to cover yourself, you're only going to hurt yourself. That's how you hurt yourself, trying to cover things and not, 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 not be forthright. That's how you make a bad situation worse, is by trying to hide it and lie about it. The sooner you're honest, the better. <laughs> if anyone's in trouble, it's a free, uh, free nugget. Okay, Psalm 92, 12. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow up, uh, grow like a cedar in Lebanon. So this is two tree metaphors. Okay? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Planted. God plants you to prosper you. People, they want to prosper without being planted. But you can't. It takes time for roots to go down. You know sometimes when you feel like nothing is happening in your life spiritually, it's your roots are going down. You know what happens in the winter? In the winter, a tree... Instead of the sap going up to the branches and to the leaves and to the fruit, the sap in the winter season goes down and strengthens the roots of the tree so that the roots can hold the fruits. If you don't have roots, you can't handle fruits. This is a very, very basic idea, but there's sometimes in your spiritual life and in your walk with God, you think that you're going to be fruitful. You think you're going to do something. You think you're going to be shining and flowing and leafing and food, but you are not because the sap has to go down to the roots. Listen, when people don't have roots, they cannot stand when adversity comes. You see who is rooted in Christ when adversity comes and flips their tree over with a little bit of, little bit of nothing. So never despise 
God rooting you. Never despise that. That's a really good thing. You know that some palm trees go down as far as they go up? And that's why when 140, 160 mile an hour winds come, they can bend and not break because they have a root system. See, that's a very, very important thing that this generation does not understand. You have to have a root system. All right. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit in old age. What would, it, what would imagine, and we don't want to hear this, so I'm not going to say this at anyone because people are going to get mad at me. Imagine if all of the things that we think are going to happen next week, next year, or in the next five years don't happen until you're 56. I'm going to say this to men because I'm not going to pick on women here. There's a lot of women. I'm like outnumbered. But you know that men's earning power is the highest in its 50s. That means that no one in our church has even hit their stride yet. So you cannot look at yourself now in your 20s or 30s and think, oh, I'm done. Nobody knew who Bill Johnson was until he was 40-something. Nobody knew his name. Like, not YouTube, nobody. No books, nothing. So, so don't, don't, be dis don't despise God building a root system in your life. Don't, don't despise that. Okay. They shall bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh. Say fresh. Fresh. They shall be fresh and flourishing. So you have what you have is flourish, flourish, flourishing. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Flourish, flourish, flourishing. Okay. And they shall bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Watch. To declare... That the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. So, when you are flourishing, when you are fruitful, even in old age, when other people are going down, you're still going up. What if, at 52, you don't have to downsize, what if you bought the biggest house you've ever lived in? What if... We let the Lord develop a root system in our life that can handle the type of fruits that God wants to pour out. What if we are not in a rush and we allow the Lord to tend to the garden of our life, to do business with our hearts in a deep place, in a deep way, and what if we allow Him to prune us so that we can become more fruitful? Now, pruning in that season, the same way discipline, it, it feels like you're being chastised, but it's to produce the peaceable fruit of righteousness. How can you flourish without fruit? When Paul is talking about the gifts of the Spirit or the fruits of the Spirit, he's talking about flourishing. Okay, so when you are flourish, flourish, flourishing, when you are fresh and flourishing, when you are flourishing in old age, where people are going down, you're going up. 
You know what that says about God? It says that he is upright and there is no unrighteousness in him. So when we live planted in the presence of the Lord, when we live flourishing in God, it says something not about us, about him. Yes? That is very important. Now, I'm going to go back to the two metaphors through the research of justice. This research is brought to you by <laughs> Justice Daniel Lubecki. I'm, I'm serious, too. I've got a video. Now, Psalm 92 mentions in the, this tree, the palm tree or the date tree. It is grown in Judea. It went extinct until recently. It was extinct for 2,000 years. They found seeds that were 2,000 years old. They planted them, and then the dates from the tree have a fresh flavor despite two millennium incubation. Those trees that they're talking about in Psalm 92, they went extinct. Someone found the seeds, planted them in the earth, and they brought forth life. And the fruit is not stale, but it's fresh. That is the power of a seed. Now, the tree reaches 120 feet. It can live 150 years. It grows, isn't this something? It grows 12 palm branches. Think of the 12 tribes. Remember, he cursed the tree. He cursed Israel for judging, for rejecting their Savior. Anytime you reject the mercy of God, you're cursed. Because the judgment of God is only for those who reject the mercy of God. The gospel is for everyone. Right? So now the tree, listen, listen to this. The tree requires a lot of water to thrive. It is a symbol of grace and elegance to the Jewish people. And biblically speaking, it is a symbol of lavish abundance and provision. Do you think poor people have palm trees in their back, in their front yard? Maybe in the Dominican Republic. But if you go to Fort Lauderdale and you see some palm trees in the yard, they got money. That is a symbol of lavish abundance and provision. Now, we're going to talk about Lebanon. This is also brought to you by Justice here, my chief research. <laughs> uh, anyway, these cedars grow in Syria, Turkey, and Lebanon. They can be up to 180 feet tall. They can live up to 3,000 years. That means that there's cedars in Lebanon from when David was king. They are the national emblem of Lebanon. Here on their trees. The, the flag too, I think. Now, cedars of Lebanon were used to build David's house, Solomon's house, and the house of God, Solomon's temple. Biblically speaking, they are a symbol of strength and prosperity. So God is saying the same thing two times. You're going to see in the, in the next week on Sunday when, when, when Pharaoh has dreams in twos, God is establishing something. When, when God is establishing something, sends them two by two, the animals came two, there, there's an establishment of two. God is saying that they, my people who are planted in my presence, 
will be strong and will be prosperous. That is the intention of God for his people. This is important. This is critical. Because God again plants you with the intention of prospering you. So wherever God has planted you, stay there. There always is a fight to uproot yourself. I'm offended, I'm leaving. That's great. That's like a whole generation of people. How about you be offended and stay? And work through your offense, because if you don't, your offense will find you somewhere else. Um, time. Do you know what comes with time? Asking power. Staying power. When, when someone has the ability to stay and to stand, what, will you, what are you going to do if the moment things don't go as you want them to go, what are you going to do? Just leave your marriage? You're just going to leave your business? You have two weeks, the business doesn't do good, and then you, you, leave, you leave it? This is what, cra what crazy people do. They, they go, oh, oh my gosh, the stock market is bad. I'm getting out. And some rich guy smiles and goes, great. I'll take your shares because in six months it's going to go back up. And I'll buy low and you sell low because you're motivated by fear and you'll keep being ruled by fear and I'll keep walking in abundance. See, you, you, people, listen, people do not have a long-term mentality. That's a big problem. God had, that's what this whole Jesus coming soon thing, that the thing that it did to the church is that it cut their vision of the future off. While the Muslims are having five, six, seven, eight kids, they're going to democratically take over Europe without any violence, just electing people. And we want to go, we want to fly away. And the battle is not for the heavens, the battle is for the earth. And people want to fly away, and God wants his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. He wants his people to be planted. The Bible says the meek inherit the earth. So, so this is something. God created man for the earth. The consummation of all things is a new heavens and a new earth where you have an incorruptible physicality and you live forever with God in a place where there's no more sickness, no more sadness, no more tears, but it's on earth. The city from, from heaven is coming to, and we want to go. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Christians want to do the opposite of what God wants. This is classic. Now, when you die, if, you, if, you, if you're, you don't really die like that, but when your soul leaves your body, yes, I want you to go to paradise until the Lord comes. I'm not saying that I don't want you to go there, but I'm saying that that's not ultimate, that's not the destination. That's only the doctor's office, the waiting room. It's going to get better. And uh, this, this whole thing of us just flying away and leaving is, is cutting our vision short of the kingdom of God coming on earth as in heaven and us actually putting roots down and doing something. And, you know, to do something and to build something takes time. You go through the ebb and flow of this thing is not really working that well. Who remembers what happened to Apple? They started, they were cool, 
then they were not cool, then they trade hands and had problems. They started in a garage or something like that. You, are you guys with me? Do you remember that? And then they had those computers that were real heavy. You can throw them through a window. And then they had the other ones with the colors. Who's old enough to remember the color computers? Remember that? Now they have a $3, million, a $3 trillion market cap. $3 trillion they're worth. But that doesn't come in six months. That comes through you staying the course, through you building on what you know and being faithful with what you have. And that principle is, is whether, it's, whether it's in business, whether it's in marriage, whether it's in family, whether it's in ministry, you got to lay roots down and you got to be faithful. you got to ride it out. You can't just get out too fast. If you get out too fast, you lose. People who are always into quick, quick, quick lose. I was telling you guys this something about this the other day, but Warren Buffett, this is a financial principle. Warren Buffett took his neighbor... His neighbor had $67,000 life savings, which is, is, a, is a good chunk of money, but it is not an obscene amount of money. When you think about how we spend money, you realize that more money comes through your hands than you would like to know. And I'm not judging you. He took a $67,000 life savings into a $400 million fortune. No quick short sales, paying 40% capital gains, taxes, no quick, nothing quick, long, long. 67 to 400 million, but that takes time. And what God is doing in your life takes time. Don't, you may feel like, oh, I wasted time. So you have this sense of urgency. Wait a second. That's impatience. Don't let fear speak to you. Let God take his time. Lay your roots down. Let God prosper you where he planted you. Anytime God plants you somewhere, he wants you to prosper there. Look at Joseph. We're going to look at Joseph this Sunday. Joseph prospered in a prison. People are like, well, it doesn't work in other countries. Yes, it does. It worked for Joseph in a prison in the Middle East. People are like, it doesn't work in Africa. There's billionaires in Africa. The principles of the kingdom work in the earth. The word works if you work the word. This is true. It works. The, the principles of the kingdom work. So anyway, what I would like to do, if, it's, if I can do this, is I would like to pray for those who are online. And I just pray that you would flourish in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, for those of you here in real life, <laughs> in person, for those of you here in person, I, this is my advice to you. I want to I ask you guys to do something for each other. Would you be willing to pray for each other real quick? If, if there is an area of your life where you're like, you know what? To be honest, I'm not flourishing in this area. Share that with someone here and let them pray for you. Would you, would you, are you do you feel comfortable doing that? Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church Podcast. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.